Can a machine pick a strawberry? Can it know when an apple is ready to take right off the tree? Can it help replace a dwindling supply of specialty crop labor? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. This week we're exploring the latest trend in farm mechanization. Sure, row crop farmers ditched horses for iron decades ago. And even in specialty crop areas, mechanization has come a long way. But when it comes to the actual harvest for those specialty crops, mechanization has been slow to arrive. There's a new effort underway to ramp up the use of mechanization for more than corn and soybeans. Tim Heerden with Western Farm Press shares some insights on a new initiative in the West that has implications for specialty crop producers in other states and around the world. He shares some of what he's learned and what it might mean. And even for a row crop farmer, this move to mechanization in non-traditional crops is fascinating. So let's check in with Tim. Tim, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And I just, you know, and I just want to pass along my thoughts uh, for the people in the Midwest and the South who are freezing this week. And just um, hope you all stay warm and, and uh, uh, stay well. Well, as you know, we're recording this right before Friday when we're going to put it online. And uh, um, it is finally looking like it might warm up. But yes, it has been a tough week for everybody. Well, Tim, we're talking about something that I don't think a lot of uh, uh, traditional uh, row crop farmers in the Midwest think about. We've been mechanized where we are for a long time. Mm-hmm. You, on the other hand, in California and in other parts of the country, aren't so mechanized. But that's mm-hmm. about to change, right? Yes. And there's there's actually in the past week, I've written about two different initiatives. One, the first one is has the involvement of our three West Coast land grant universities, Washington State, Oregon State and the University of California that are working with companies and a university in the Netherlands on automated harvests. They're calling it fruit orchard of the future. And some of the things that they're that they're uh, planning on doing are things uh, like a prototype ro- robot for pruning and harvesting pears, uh, data collecting sensors for apples and pears, decision models for when to harvest individual pieces of fruit. So it's really uh, a neat, uh, kind of a neat initiative that they're doing. And then on the heels of that, uh, last week you had Western Growers, which is a an organization that that represents produce growers out here in several states of the West. They're doing a thing called Global Harvest Automation Initiative, and they're in it with a whole bunch of companies and people around the world. They had that they had their rollout last week at the site of the World Ag, Ag Expo in Tulare, the International Agri Center. Uh, the farm show itself was was held virtually. But about 60 people or so met in a room and distanced and and did a live stream uh, on video on YouTube uh, for what they're doing. And their planning started about two years ago with grower members, tech companies, manufacturers and researchers. Uh, and their their aim is really to address key two key issues, labor shortages and food safety. Now, Walt Duflock was hired last fall as their new uh, vice president of technology, and he led this meeting, and we'll let him kind of explain why and, and what the impetus is for their doing this. These are among the biggest challenges facing WJ members today. 
Every year, fields are prepped, seeds are planted, crops are irrigated, thinned, and weeded, and monitored for pests and foreign objects. And after all of that effort, some of these fields are unable to be harvested because there's no available harvest labor. At the same time, regulatory costs from overtime, wage changes, and heat rules are driving the cost of the available harvest labor up. Some of our larger growers estimate that labor costs will increase by up to 70% in the next five years. So both of these forces, unharvested crops and huge cost increases are combining to make the need for harvest automation more urgent than ever. That is from the YouTube video that Western Growers posted. Hmm. Well, this is, uh, to be honest, labor, lack of labor, cost of labor has driven more mechanization, innovation in our industry than pretty much anything else. And yeah. I guess it, it, I guess the chickens have finally come home to roost on the specialty crop business. And I feel bad for them, but I think it looks like there's a significant innovation and possibility for this whole thing to explore, right? The key to all of this is adding accessories to existing equipment to hold down costs. And so you don't show up at somebody's farm and price yourselves way out of their ability to pay you because you built everything. Steve mm -hmm. Forbes, I, I covered a, an almond conference a couple of years ago. Steve Forbes, the, the media uh, magnate and former presidential candidate, mm -hmm. uh, was one of the keynote speakers. And he said something that really, really stuck with me. He said, the biggest innovations aren't, all, aren't necessarily new inventions, but new uses of existing tools. And that's very much what this what this group is. This initiative really echoes that. If you want a harvester, there's no reason to build the tractor underneath it, right? Right. They're going to they have four things that they're beginning. And the first is called the technology stack. This basically helps startups connect both virtually and literally uh, to larger companies that have established tractors, robot arms and the like. The second, they're calling a cohort. It's a small selection of startups to introduce to growers for each crop in the beginning. And this will get larger as new inventions are, are become ready for market and they're proven. They'll have re researchers testing it. Growers are going to, they, they envision growers starting with small plots on their land just to test the stuff out. Um, the third thing is a roadmap for growers that'll identify startups that are further along in their in their developments. And then finally, they're going to do an effort to qualify the impact of these startups on an industry wide scale. Well, it's exciting to me from the standpoint that, you know, in California, we talk about specialty crops, lettuce, mm -hmm. strawberries, almonds, all, all the different kinds of crop orchard crops. Sure. And that's great. And you automate there. But this automation won't stay there. Um, unlike Vegas, what happens in California does get out of California. And we're talking uh, all these different crops in Georgia, the Carolinas, Michigan, New York, upstate New York with all the orchard crops. So what happens here could be very exciting for specialty crop farmers across the country, right? Well, yeah. And especially and I would say even around the world, because. Um, they're working with the Netherlands. The Netherlands is an interesting country um, because they, they're they the number two exporter of food by value behind the United States. And they're about one two seventieth of our land mass. And they're, you know, they're into things among their in innovations. They do things like growing bananas with alternative soil composite made of cocoa peat. Yep. And uh, um 
using food waste to feed farm animals, which is being done. And in, in, uh, we have a feature coming up in one of our issues on, you mentioned Vegas. Uh, they're using casino food waste yep. to feed pigs, at least when the casinos are open. So these innovations, the point is these innovations are going to, uh, I mentioned in my commentary, I think it's going to change the world, at least in, in terms of these crops and agriculture. And I really believe it's true. It's an exciting time. And it's one people should keep an eye on their Western farm press because we intend to to cover it and cover it step by step. And and uh, it's really a great, really great time. Right. And obviously, when there's things that are national, we can share those with other brands. But you're right. Yes. I think this is very exciting. And, mm-hmm. and I think from the standpoint of um, let's step back a minute. When you have to think about this, uh, table grapes have to be hand cut mm-hmm. at the right thing. Uh, apples have to come out of the tree. And when they're at a certain ripeness, they need to be handled gently into the box. All those types of things have to happen in a certain period of time. And and humans can do that very efficiently when there are humans. Mm-hmm. But there aren't any humans. I mean, we've got a significant labor problem. And I don't care how high the unemployment rate is. Farmers right. know you can't get labor in this market for this kind of work. Right. But that'll change if you start to, you know, the, the college students right now in these programs that are right. learning this tech, They'll come out and do this. And what I think what I'm hoping that they do, I think that the question about farm workers and what we do, what do we do with farm workers uh, is going to come up. And I'm hoping what they do is some kind of outreach to those folks as well. And I I would I would think that they would do that, especially with the universities involved uh, to give them at least an opportunity and train them. One of the things is that every grower that I've met that has farm worker labor loves their farm workers they they have foremen that worked with them for like 30 years they'd love to have those folks running these machines and i think one of the things that that should come out and i think will in the next few months is how to outreach to those folks i think that'll be important because again this is not a robot going through the field right this is there's got to be an operator now there'll be fewer operators there are already fewer workers even that younger uh worker uh, that's mm-hmm. working on these farms will want to step up to learn how to run this equipment i think it's that's interesting you know you talk about there should be a tractor to uh to attach to the machine even the mm-hmm. tractors are changing in your market they're watching that what is it the monarch tractor it's electric and it, it's a 40 horsepower tractor that can pull a lot of this stuff and pull a lot of this equipment. So even mm-hmm. the guys that are worried about carbon footprint yes. will find there's an opportunity with these tools. And that's another issue, too. How these tools work uh, have a bigger story than just the fact that they replace labor. They yes. may also impact the entire sustainability story on the farm. Yes. And, you know, machines get dirty just like you know, people, uh, you can get, and they'll have to keep those clean, but yeah. there's a, there's a certain image that, that this technology has of being clean or cleaner that I think is going to help this initiative going forward. <laughs> i tell you what, it won't be clean long, not with the dust, no. the oil, no. the dirt that happens in agriculture. There's, mm-hmm. uh, as someone who's covered farm equipment for 40 years, um, one thing we know is that anything that works in another industry has to be severely tested before it's put to work in agriculture. Yes. We're hard on equipment and it's not it's the fact that we work in that 110 degree day and, and we're working in high dust conditions. And that robot, not robot, that autonomy, that arm, that thing that's 
gently picking strawberries off the mm-hmm. off the off the row has to work perfectly every time or it's lost crop and that will be critical yes. for these new tools yes and add to the elements the the terrain one of the issues that they had way back then when they were motorizing the uh, grain combine is they had to figure out a way to get it to to navigate the steep hills of the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And they eventually did did develop that, you know, those machines that could do that. It's the same deal here. If you're picking table grapes, usually it's going to be in the foothills or uh, if you're if you're picking wine grapes, which they're starting to do now, they're starting to automate harvest of wine grapes. That's also some of those those hills in the in the uh, north coast and in the wine country of the Bay Area are very steep. And so they're having to they're having to deal with terrain as well as all those dust issues that you mentioned. Right. I know New Holland actually makes a grape harvester mm-hmm. they, they, and it for for wine grapes because it's pretty it does the job on the grape. I don't think I'd want table grapes from it. And they know that that's part of what it's designed for. But that yeah. machine is quite efficient. And mm-hmm. it's one operator can move through a wine uh, through off a tra- through a trellis relatively yes. efficiently. And, and that's critical, too, because the other thing that's happening in our industry and what this technology may allow, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think a lot of people understand, is we're starting to do what's called zone harvesting. Let's take grapes, wine grapes, for example, zone harvesting by um, value. In other words, we can determine that this area of the, the vineyard, those grapes can actually be used in a wine that's got a higher value and they need to be harvested at a different time. And, mm-hmm. and so when you start, when you automate processes, you are able to start answering those questions in ways that are more difficult to do with hand labor. We mentioned specialty crops and for the right. people across the country, there are um, one of our one of our copy editors this morning was surprised that there's there's so much automation of raisin grapes. I think I read somewhere that it was up to 30 percent of the crop. And of course, the mechanical harvesting of tree nuts is standard now. Everybody, right. you know, the tree shakers and that sort of thing. But it's these delicate fruit crops that are the next frontier. And, you know, there are probably growers that don't plant it because they you know, they'd, they'd rather plant tree nuts because it's easier to harvest. You don't have to hire the labor. Um, and now this may this may improve um, the ability, the choices that growers have of what to plant, that that what grows better in their in their particular climate and region. Well, and you t- you talk about that. I mean, there a decade or so ago, some of those growers took out orchards and put in strawberries, like in the Watsonville area mm-hmm. of California. Um, there used to be lots of orchards there. That was all trees. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. it's all it's all Driscoll. It's all strawberries. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and look at the investment they made. And now they're sitting there going, well, can we get people to harvest this stuff? And so yeah. I think that these technologies and there's been some interesting work in Florida on strawberry harvest um, mm-hmm. to to mechanize that. So I think as the universities, Washington State, Oregon, UC, and then Wagenagen, I think that's who you're working with in the Netherlands. And you bring all that together. And I think that the ideas ahead, all I can say is I'm looking forward to reading Western Farm Press over the next few months just to see how these things start to come out. And as this unfolds, we'll probably revisit with you in a few months. I do want to note that this is actually the 50th podcast for Around Farm Progress. And I appreciate you being on here to talk well, about something very exciting to me, and that's technology. I'm honored to be on your 50th podcast. I think it's great. And um, 
you know, I, I look forward to to doing quite a few more of these. We're we're doing there's some exciting things happening out here, both in terms of agriculture, like we've been talking today, and in terms of our coverage. We have a lot of ideas and a lot of things that are going to be coming down the pike in the coming months that we'll be we'll be eager to talk about. Well, that's really good, and I appreciate talking to you, Tim. Um, for those of you listening, if you are in the Midwest and are fascinated by this, westernfarmpress.com is the place to go, and you can check it out regularly when you have a chance and to see what Tim and his cohort, Todd Fitchett, are up to. Tim yeah. Hearden, always a pleasure talking to you on Around Farm Progress. Uh, thanks for your time, and take care and stay safe. You too. Thanks very much. That was interesting. I expect we'll be checking in with Tim again in the near future to explore what this new initiative means for farmers and find out what machines are rolling into these fields for the future. As I noted when talking to Tim, this is our 50th podcast. We appreciate all of you for listening over these many weeks. As I have noted in the past, there are a lot of stories to tell in agriculture, and we hope to share more with you in the weeks ahead. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from the Farm Progress team and experts in our industry. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs, and the new Farm Progress virtual experience. You still have time to check out the virtual experience, just visit huskerharvestdays.com for direct access to the virtual event. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.